You pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there something here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. So everybody knows that Moses went up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 mm -hmm. nights, but how does Exodus actually describe the mountain? Well, it says the people looked at it and it looked like a devouring fire. And yet Moses walks right into it. Yeah, and not only does he walk into it, he stays up there for 40 days. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we need to look into this today on, on More Than, Than Ink. Well, a great good morning to you. This is Jim. And this is Dorothy. And we are excited to come back to the uh, the narrative in Exodus. We spent the last, what is it, about three chapters uh, looking at the working out or the, the fitting, fitting of the Ten Commandments to the actual society that would become the new nation of Israel. And this is the chapter actually where it says that Moses actually wrote it down. And he wrote it down. Yeah. He wrote it down for the people, but it's not yet written on stone. Exactly. We're going to get to that exactly. part in this chapter. Yeah, but we uh, we didn't have any action since Exodus 20, I think it is. So now the action comes back. We're still at Mount Sinai and at the top of it. And uh, and uh, the covenant is going to become unveiled in a very clear way here as God meets with Moses and Aaron and the elders. It's just very exciting. So today we go to the top of the mountain. And, and Are you ready? It's an amazing account. And yeah. we probably need to say right up front that this really connects to the end of the previous chapter. And so let me just very remind much, you that yes. kind of at toward the end of the previous chapter in verse 21 and 22 of chapter 23, uh, he had said, now pay careful attention to the angel of the Lord who's going before you, oh, right? Yeah. Don't rebel against him, listen to him, obey his voice. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I'll be an enemy to your enemies, an adversary to your adversary. So he's setting up the covenant idea yeah. that yeah. God is giving the, God will give the direction and you will agree and you will go forward in relationship with God on that basis. So right. that kind of sets us up. So after all of that, then in chapter 24, then he says to Moses, now you come up. Right. And it is interesting. I mean, in contrast, the story could have gone that God came, sprung him out of Egypt, got him into the, the desert said, and aimed him toward the promised land and said, well, guys, good luck with it from now on. I did what I needed to do, which is to spring you from Egypt and I'll see you later. Tell me how everything works out. But this is a God who sprung them out of Egypt so that he could actually dwell with them. Yeah, and bring them into into yes. a covenant relationship. A covenant relationship. With so God doesn't just spring us from jails to get us free. He springs us from jails to have relationship well, with Well, and what he gave them in the wilderness was primarily himself, right? Yeah. He gave them yeah. a way of meeting with him. He gave them his word. He gave them manna. He really showed them who he was to them and his intention to live in relationship with yeah, them. I, th I think we'll talk more about that when we finish this we chapter will. because we it's will. really it's a fascinating thing what happens this is a pivot point in Exodus because mm -hmm. everything that happens after this is in the context of that so we'll talk about that so let's just do let's it just, let's just do it chapter 24 why don't you read for us from verse 1 okay then he said to Moses come up to the Lord you and Aaron Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. 
Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. Let's can we stop there sure, for we just can a stop minute? Anywhere. Yeah. Cause because he's just <laughs> he's setting it up now. At this point in verse six it's gonna get very serious. Yeah, but we're yeah. still just recounting what happened. Right, right. But isn't it interesting how Already he has said, now, you're going to come gather Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, which are his two older sons. Two older sons. And later on in the story, we find out something very interesting about them. But at this point, they're still... Are they the two guys from the censor incident? Those are the two that get burned up. Yeah. Yeah. And that is in Leviticus 10, if you want to go and read that. And you can, if you look at your cross-references in your column, you can find out that story about Nadab and Abihu. Well, you can just find out who they are. It's usually... Right. Well, they already were mentioned way back early in that because Aaron had four sons that were mentioned, but these seem to be the older two. So, so this is apparently a very important meeting at the top Mm -hmm. of the mountain. Moses, Aaron, uh, his two sons, you know, seventy of the elders. I mean, it's a really big deal. Something really big is going down Mm -hmm. here, and yet even out of them, only Moses is allowed to really come near at this point. At this point, yeah, and they do come up. And uh, and they and they receive something remarkable, I think. Um, and it says all the words of the Lord that has the Lord has spoken, we will do. They said in response, and that actually triggers a problem because <laughs> we know when we read those those words right there that you know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. They're not going to do what God asks of them, and uh, and it it, it invokes. Well, it's not that you're not going to do it. They're not going to be able. Not going to be able to do to. it. Right. Right. And so this this is the conflict that happens right here. There's this requirement for being a citizen of God's kingdom, and and God's going to make very clear what that is. But they're not going to be able to do that, and that sort of forms the basis, which they don't know yet, for solving the problem of their own sins. Yeah. And they had already said that back in chapter they 19 did. when Quite. the Lord said, "Now, yeah. if you'll obey my voice and keep my commandments," this is 19:5. Uh, then I'll be to you a kingdom, or you'll be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the sons of Israel. And all the people said, yep, we will, we will, we will. We will. They didn't yet have the complete words right. impact. Right. But they already had said, we'll do everything you say. So it was, you know, at their intention to obey. This, this is the tension, <laughs> which which is what you just read. It's an interesting one-two punch where Moses brings the stuff they say yes we'll do we'll it we'll do it and he says you got to go sacrifice some animals well, well what why do we need to do that well, well because we're going to be making a covenant yes. god is making covenant with you we're about to enter the actual ceremony this covenant ceremony which always yes. required a sacrifice over the agreement uh, so well, and I might add too, this, the sacrifice is always needed because because of the sin. Right. So this covenant, this covenant with God, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be cemented with these sacrifices. Why sacrifices? Well, because the covenant's going to be there, but sin's a problem right in the middle of the covenant. And so, what cements the covenant is the sin atonement to these animals. Well, that's there are two thing. offerings here listed in verse five. There's mm-hmm. the burnt offering. And this peace offering, right? So this blood represents the life. Life. Right? We are, uh, our life is forfeit if we break this covenant. Right. And that's why you've got to look at the blood very carefully here. It's not just a a weird kind of occultic symbol. No. 
I mean, in Leviticus, he tells us that there's uh, the life of the flesh is in the blood. So right. when you see being blood spilled, it's being shed for someone. So life is coming from something to someone. So it's actually the pouring out of life from one to another. So this is life and death business. This is life Entering and death Entering relationship business. with God. The outpouring of one life for another. And why would that be necessary? Because of the shortfall of sin. So this is all so, going to be tied in in this. As we read forward now, listen carefully for what happens to the blood, because this is very it's important. Very, yeah, if you remember, this is life being poured out for another. Here okay, go. you're going to read? Uh, no, go ahead. Okay, starting in verse 6. 6. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. And then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. There it is again. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Yeah. Okay, so where did the blood go? It went on the altar. Two places. Two places. It went on the altar, and it went on the people. On the people. Over yeah. the book of the covenant, right? Yes. The words of God that they were agreeing to obey and live according to. Yeah, and this, again, is not its not rocket science symbolism, but there's a strong symbolism here where where you see, you see God's words read, you see a sacrifice after that, you see the receiving of those words, like, yeah, we heard it, we do this, and then and then you see the receiving of the sacrifice, receiving of the result of the sacrifice. That 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 four-step process is very New Testament. <laughs> well, and before we're done here, I want to make sure that we point out the contrast between this old covenant and the new covenant, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. what you just said in that sequence is very important. Very the, important, yeah. The giving of the word. And right. then the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice, and then the receiving and the the celebration of doing life and, together and from our that participation point forward. in that solution. Yeah. yeah, and that's what happens here. So yeah. that's the picture that's being laid out here. I, this is the official ceremony. And I was trying to remember. Maybe you can remember more. But I this is the, my only memory of where where the blood was actually sprinkled on the people as opposed to something else. Um, I think so, that uh, actually was the what? the form of the. Uh, yeah. of the covenant but you're right but, this is the initial one but it's it's very clear here so if if the flowing of the blood is the outpouring of one life to another the life is coming from the sacrificed animals and it's going directly on the people. the people yeah so you can see that they've lost their lives and this is the only way that they get life well and this. in between the shedding of the blood and the blood being sprinkled on the people is the word of god is the word god right. has said right so you know when we come to think about prefiguring jesus he is the living word become flesh that we saw he yeah. gave his blood and we received the benefit of that so we'll unpack that a little bit more later but i want you to start thinking about that now yeah and uh in the upper room you know last supper he says this this is the this is my blood of the covenant right. so when they heard that phrase they would instantly flash back right. to exodus 24 For this is the new covenant in my blood yeah. not the yeah. blood of bulls and goats as hebrews tells us the blood of bulls and goats never did anything yeah so if we stand back for a second we see we see a profound covenant happening a, a, a covenant that ties god and man together. I mean, even symbolically with the blood going on the altar and the blood going on the people, the people's need for life 
which they don't have and the solution to that life which is coming from the sacrifice so there's all tied together in this covenant and uh again don't just get glazed over religious eyes and say well it's just a goofy covenant and you're gonna throw blood all over the place there's great and profound and well understood meaning in this blood well maybe we'd better take just a second and and define what a covenant is oh that's a good idea a covenant is a very a solemn binding agreement to mm-hmm. do life together based on a promise, right? Mm-hmm. I will be for you and you will be for me. From this point on, we have agreed to do life together right? in a certain way. And and you said the key word is primarily relational. Yes, it is relational. Primarily relational. And we, we see it in our modern culture, most obviously in a, a marriage, marriage, you know, vows to one another. That's a mutual covenant. Well, this is a mutual covenant. But, you know, you even if you buy into a particular neighborhood, you have a covenants that determine how you will all keep your yards right so that's kind of a frivolous idea of how you're going to do life together it's still something that makes the relationship possible okay so we need to press on because there's some huge things coming in this passage we do well let me take it from verse nine okay uh then moses and aaron nadab and abihu and the 70 the elders of israel went up and they saw the god of israel there was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Okay, stop. I know. This is stunning. <laughs> I thought no man what? could see God and live, right? And even Jesus right. said in John 6, no man has ever seen God. Right, right. So what were they seeing? Yeah. What did they see? Yeah, and in fact, I went and chased that down to see if I was thinking of this wrong. But it, but that's what it is. I mean, later in Exodus 33, you cannot see my face, for man right. shall not see me and live. Right. And then even the beginning of John 1, when John writes to the gospel, no one has ever seen God, the only God who's the Father's side. Right. He has made him known, but no one has ever seen God. Right, but just before John says that, in verse 14 of John 1, he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among him, and we saw, and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Right, right. So there is some sense here that we're seeing um, the presence of God without necessarily seeing seeing God. And for instance, the emphasis is so much on his feet and what's under his feet. Right. It kind of gives you the impression that that their gaze is bowed down and not really in his face looking at his eyes. So there's something, and there's a little bit of mystery here, but there's something about the fact that they have seen God, so they know this is God, but not in a sense that they'll be condemned for it. But they were suddenly welcomed into the presence of God after the agreement after of the, agreement. the covenant. Right. They're welcomed up, welcomed into the presence of God. He right. grants them a, a relationship with him, and they eat and drink in his presence. Yeah, it makes me think we're mentioning marriage. You know, you do a marriage ceremony, wedding ceremony. Oh, there's always a party. There's already a party after that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you see this all through the Old Testament, especially where you make a covenant, right. and then you sort of celebrate. You down well, the feast is an essential part of yeah. the recognition of the covenant it's because the response. you sit down to eat together, which is representing doing life together. That's right. Uh, yeah. But I would encourage you, listeners, to find out. Look in your cross references. You'll have cross references in your column here. Look where else this imagery shows up mm-hmm. of the pavement that's under his feet and the glory because. Because you'll find it in Ezekiel, and you'll find it in Revelation. 
Right. right. And the descriptions are very, very similar. So I'm not going to give you those references. You look them up. They'll be in your cross-reference in your column. And I would encourage you to read the verses around them because the person they are seeing is the the visual incarnate representation of the unseen God. Yep. And the scene is deliberately meant to impress upon you that you are coming into the presence of God. Yeah. You know, this made me think this eating and drinking stuff. It made me remember Jethro. Remember Jethro, the father-in-law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came in. He makes a profession of faith in who this God is who brought them out of Egypt, you know. And then all the elders of Israel come in, and they sit down. They have have a feast. It's an essential part of agreeing to live in the relationship. In fact, he does does a sacrifice. So he actually, Mm -hmm. you know, he he starts this covenant with God, the God of Israel. And then they eat and drink. So uh, that's just how you do it. Yeah. We need to press on. Verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment, which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant, Joshua. And Moses went up into the mountain of God, and he said to the elders, Wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you, and whoever has a dispute, let them go to them. Okay. Okay. So did you did you hear Moses is going up farther, right? They've yes. all come up to God on the mountain, but God says to Moses, now come up and just be there, be there. with me. Yeah. And when it says in verse 12, come up on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone, that is literally the chayah, that is just be there, be there. exist there. Yeah. And by the end of the chapter, we're going to find out he's up there for 40 days and nights. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and everything that he had already written in the book, on the scroll, God is going to write himself on stone. Yes. That's a very important picture here. Yes, because we have, you know, from verse 7, we already have the Book of the Covenant, right. which presumably is the stuff written down from chapters 20 through 23 right. that we exactly. just were reading. But this is different. There's something much more important here, and it'll unfold as we see it. I like the mention of Joshua, kind of his assistant. Right. We right. saw Joshua. We've seen Joshua before. Not too long ago. Remember when Moses was holding up his staff and right. Aaron and her were helping him hold his arms in the air? And who was down there in the battle watching people die or survive? That was Joshua. And Joshua is, a, this is his, an introduction to him, is a very important assistant mm-hmm. to, to Moses. And even after Moses dies, he will take over the leadership role for Moses. So that's Joshua. He's right up here on the mountain with Moses. Yeah, it's incredible. Fifteen? Fifteen. And then Moses Go. went up on the mountain. Now listen for the repetition here. Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the mm. top of the mountain mm. in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Wow. In those few verses, we have the cloud and the glory and the mountain over and over and over again. This is a very important picture. This is a big deal. This is why this is the pivot point in Exodus in so many ways. This is the pivot point. And, you know, I've always wondered, he goes up and, and he's in the midst of that, for six days before God, you know, pulls him in on the seventh right. day. Don't Isaac know what God that's all said, about. said, just come and be here. Right. And, and you know, if you're a Bible student, you say, wait, six days plus one. <laughs> oh, okay, that's that, seven. that rings a bell. What's going on here? And um, 
we're going to leave that to you to noodle on because that's just a it's a marvelous very deliberate parallel okay so that actually brings up an idea that i want to touch on being a study skill uh, that is slow reading mm -hmm. right read the passage aloud read slowly enough and when something attracts your attention pause just be there right. and let the significance of it sink in. This is a way, we read too fast yeah. so much yeah. of the time. So this whole chapter is one that benefits from the slow read. Well, and I encourage people to do an active questioning while they're reading. Yes, ask good questions. Because you know you can read it and just say, well, that's just what's there. So I just read it and I'll keep going. But for instance, on this six days plus one, if you're, if you're going slow enough, you say, wait a second. Right. What is happening here? And uh, the question arises in your mind, is this like the six days of creation and the day of rest is this the sabbath rest right. seven i mean what what is that and so if you if you go too fast the questions don't arise right right and it's always great to ask the questions while you're moving yeah and and speaking of parallels <laughs> 40 days and 40 nights Ooh. what does that remind you of well immediately for me i'm thinking of you know, uh jesus in the temptation in matthew 4. well that was yes. 40 days and, and 40 out nights, there in but the wilderness more. i thought about that too that this is in response to god giving his word to the people while jesus right. out in the wilderness how was he responding to those temptations mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. the word of god yes all three of them yeah he was refuting right. satan's temptations right. that way yeah and and when those 40 days and 48 nights are done the word who was flesh walked among them so it's interesting right. his ministry he's opened publicly accessible like right. after this the word will be publicly accessible right. from what happens because on it's written on stone it will be later deposited in the ark of the covenant it'll be there point of reference right uh, and written on stone is going to become a very important idea big, big later deal. on when we come to talking about the new covenant which is not written on stone, not written, written on, on living hearts. Written on hearts. Still by the finger of God, but in a yes. different destination yes. on our hearts. Yeah, as we're kind of as we're kind of closing this off, I mean the big picture for me, I say this is a pivot point in Exodus. It's because from this point forward in Exodus, uh, the tabernacle dominates the discussion. Mm -hmm. I mean, just tremendously. And what is the tabernacle? Well, it's a portable tent. Um, symbolizing God's presence with them, yeah. where they go from here. So here, if you think about it, here we are in the mountain, and you know the cloud and the fire and the light from heaven. It's all it's all clustered around Mount Sinai. But pretty soon here, we're going to come off of Sinai and we're going to start wandering away from here. And the place in which God chooses for His glory to be apparent is this portable tent called the tabernacle and actually we're going to get into reading the very specific instructions that god gives moses yeah, for the construction specific. of the tabernacle right. which if i'm not mistaken he has in his hand when he yeah. comes down the mountain and finds them already having built yeah the golden so calf. when we finish the book of exodus on chapter 40 we finish the tabernacle right. so this from here on to the end of exodus is all about how god um, is going to how do I say this well? He, God's intention is that I want to dwell in your midst. Right. And for that to work, and the terms and the conditions for God to dwell in their midst in the tabernacle is going to be the entire press for here to the end of Exodus. How can God be in your midst? Because God does want to dwell in your midst. And here's how it's possible. Yeah, it's, and it's over the sacrifice for sin. Right? Exactly. All of that yeah. instruction Moses is going to receive on the mountain and then come down and and 
elaborate on it to the people and engage them in the building of the tabernacle. Yeah, and because of that sin, you, we have this constant tension. We've got God in their midst, but they can't come near. Right. Yeah, and so it's a, it's a fascinating tension, which goes on even to man in the present day, which is here's a God who desires to dwell in our midst, but because of our sin, we can't draw near to him. However, there is a solution to that sin, and then we can draw near to him. But from here on out, it's God's way of saying, here's the terms and conditions so that I can dwell among you and I can be your visible leader from the tabernacle so and he's very specific about the design of this tabernacle and what it symbolizes and what it what it teaches just because of the way it's made that allows him to understand how it is that God can be with us but we cannot come near to him it's a, it's a fascinating tension. Yeah, and you know that construction of the tabernacle is so uh, full of symbolism. I read a psalm earlier this week, and I can't now remember which one it was, where the, the psalmist says, and everything in your tabernacle cries, glory. Well, glory, the primary meaning of the word glory is recognition. Yeah, exactly. Recognize known. who this God is, what his essential character is, and yeah. the outshining of it. Right. So, you know, we've had this word glory, glory, glory on the mountain, glory, the glory of the presence of God. Yeah. And so it's all pointing, actually, to John 1, to Jesus, when, when it says the word became flesh and he dwelt, and he, he tabernacled, he tabernacled among, among us in us. this temporary dwelling place. God's intention to dwell with us. And allowed us to see his glory. Yeah. We could recognize God yeah. in the face of Christ. And if you remember, even at the Last Supper, when Philip says to Jesus, you know, uh, just show us the show Father. Show us the Father, man. And he says, <laughs> don't you get it? If you've seen me, right. you've seen I've the Father. I've been with you for so long and you haven't figured yeah. this out yet. So I, we can't really leave this just without saying this old covenant idea is critical, but it all points to a new covenant, not written on stone, but on human hearts, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of Christ. Yeah. This is so tightly connected with Christ not only in the sacrifice, but in his desire to dwell among us. He became flesh. God is so intentional. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. This has been the intention of God since the Garden of Eden, is to dwell among man. And so here in Exodus, we're gonna see it worked out in the creation of the tabernacle, and we're gonna see it completed when Jesus comes and he tabernacles among us. It's a fascinating thing. So we're glad you're with us. We're totally out of time. And the narrative will pick up next week as we look at this tabernacle and the fulfillment of how God will dwell with us. Hmm. So come back and join the excitement when we uh, look at this together on More, More Than, Than Ink. More Than Ink is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City and is solely responsible for its content. To contact us with your questions or comments, just go to our website, morethaninc.org. Well, I call that a winner. I think we can make it. It's a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Winner, winner, pizza dinner. <laughs> <laughs>